All right. Well, welcome everyone to our study of the book of Jeremiah. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let me open us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for uh, your word, the word that you spoke uh, through men like Jeremiah, uh, that you sent him um, to speak to his people, uh, that um, he loved his people and he was uh, wounded by their wounds, but at the same time, uh, he knew and lo loved you um, and, and therefore knew he had to speak uh, words of of judgment to them because of their sin. Lord, we do ask um, that you would give us uh, humility to see how um, we too are like Judah and how we um, uh, attempt to deceive you, uh, attempt to deceive others, and most of all, how we uh, deceive ourselves if we say that we are without sin. Lord, help us um, long for you, long for your glory, that we would rejoice um, in your uh, loving kindness and your justice and your righteousness, a righteousness that we too um, can possess uh, through the gift of Christ, uh, that alien righteousness that, that we lack, uh, but that we need in order to stand before you. Um, even as we study the word of the prophet, this morning, uh, show us Jesus, uh, show us our need for him, um, show us how we uh, should live lives of obedience uh, in response to the grace that has been given to us. Uh, send us your spirit, the same spirit that spoke these words to Jeremiah. May that spirit instruct us this morning as we speak of these things together. And we ask all this in Christ's name, by the power of your spirit. Amen. All right, so as you turn in your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, uh, let me just briefly remind you where we are in the book. Uh, last week I was away, but um, I'm thankful my brother Mike uh, was able to take you through chapter 8. So chapter 8 uh, began with a prose prophecy describing how the bones of the nobles and the priests and the people uh, would, would be scattered without being buried. And even the surviving remnant uh, would wish that they were dead. Um, this description of a cursed death was followed by a poetic description of the depth of the people's sinfulness, with God asking the question, why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? And the answer uh, is that every person pursued their own course without repenting of their evil ways. And the central irony of chapter 8 is that uh, these people brag about possessing God's law. We are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us, but they remain ignorant of what the law says. My people know not the rules of the Lord. Like we've seen um, the people earlier in the book with the city of Jerusalem, the temple, the sacrifices, they, they treat the word of God as a talisman, uh, a sign of God's special blessing to them, that will automatically protect them even though that they remain even though they remain ignorant of its contents and unashamedly neglect the words that God has given them. We would could say we'd do the same thing if we just like use our Bible as a decoration <laughs> rather than something we actually open and study. 
Um, Jeremiah in chapter 8 repeated the description of the problem with Israel's deceptive religious leadership uh, that, um, so he literally repeated the same words uh, that he gave us back in chapter 6. They have healed the wound of my people lightly saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. And um, I, those, that verse was running in my head this week when I was driving home and I passed a church sign that said, God is delighted with you, no exceptions. That's a peace, peace, <laughs> when there is no peace kind of proclamation. So chapter 8 ended and chapter 9 begins with Jeremiah grievously lamenting the sad state of his people. Their wounds wound him. Yet simultaneously he knows the depth of their sinfulness that has rightly brought this evil upon them. Today in chapter 9, Jeremiah will continue to sorrow over the deceitfulness of his people who lie to both God and to each other while simultaneously lamenting the coming destruction that will devastate Judah and its physical landscape. Yet even in the midst of the people's sad state of affairs, there is hope. Uh, hope not in themselves or in their own abilities or in their possessions, but hope rooted in knowing the God who alone practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Uh, Jeremiah's message to us this morning in chapter 9 is the same one Paul picks up in his first letter to the Corinthians. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, nor many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So with that as an introduction, let me read for us Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, and reading through the, uh, the end, um, and you can find this on page 637 of an ESV. Hear now the word of our God. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone beware of his neighbor, and put no trust in any brother. For every brother is a deceiver, and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves, committing iniquity heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit. They refuse to know me, declares the Lord. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and test them, for what else can I do because of my people? Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully with his it speaks deceitfully with his mouth each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart he plans an ambush for him. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? I will take up weeping and wailing for the mountains, and a lamentation for the pastures of the wilderness, because they are laid waste so that no one passes through. And the lowing of cattle is not heard. Both the birds of the air and the beasts the, have fled and are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a lair of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitants. Who is the man so wise that he can understand this? To whom has the mouth of the Lord spoken that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined and laid waste like a wilderness so that no one passes through. And the Lord says, Because they have forsaken my law that I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accord with it, but have stubbornly followed their own hearts and gone after the Baals as their father taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed this people with bitter food and give them poisonous water to drink. I will scatter them among the nations whom neither they nor their fathers have known and I will send the sword after them until I have consumed them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider and call for the mourning women to come. Send for the skillful women to come. Let them make haste and raise a wailing over us that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids flow with water. For a sound of wailing is heard from Zion how we are ruined, we are utterly shamed, because we have left the land, because they have cast down our dwellings. Hear, O women, the word of the Lord, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach to your daughters a lament, and each to her neighbor a dirge. For death has come up into our windows, it has entered our palaces, cutting off the children from the streets and the young men from the squares. Speak, thus declares the Lord, the dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the open field, like sheaves after the reaper, and none shall gather them. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert, who cut the corners of their hair, for all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. 
So uh, chapter 9 begins in verses 1 and 2 with Jeremiah saying he could perpetually weep. And if he had a choice, he'd hide away in the wilderness <laughs> from his people. So why? Um, why does Jeremiah weep? Why does he want to hide away? Um, what does Jeremiah say um, about the people um, that produce such a reaction in God and his prophet? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, he's not like some dispassionate observer, like, you know, sitting on the sidelines. He, he, he feels the anguish of his people. Um, and uh, he feels, um, you know, uh, back in chapter 8, you know, the idea, uh, for the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. Um, so, again, he, he feels he's wounded by their wounds. Um, so yeah, so he's, he's starting the chapter from this, um, he, he's lamenting for his, his people. Greg, you had your hand up. I think it's it's um, I think it's there's not tears enough if that makes sense like like you know so I, I mean I think you're right I think he's cried out like <laughs> there, there's none left like so I think if it's if he's devoid of tears it's because he's he shed them all um, and there's he wishes he could cry day and night um, for those people um, because uh, again he feels that much for them. And so, so I think it's not that there are um, no tears, but I think it's the, the emphasis on they're not tears enough. <laughs> like, you couldn't cry enough uh, for this, this people. Um, I thought I saw another hand. So why? So to sort of like, why does he feel this way? Um, what, what, what is the cause? Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, so it's, and again, like he feels for his people, but he, he's God's prophet, and he, he, he knows God and what God expects. And so he, he knows their wound, but he also knows that God is, is just and bringing all this upon uh, the people. So what are some of the ways he, he talks about the sin of the people? What are some of the specific things he brings out? Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, Greg. The, the sins of speech. Like, look at all, the, you know, he starts off, they're all adulterers, but then it goes into a company of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and truth has not grown strong, strong in the land. Um, and then later, let, lest 
everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother. For every brother is a deceiver and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. Um, and then even uh, again, further down, their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully with his mouth. Each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart, he plans an ambush for him. So yeah, there is a focus there on the tongue and the deceitfulness of the tongue. And, and as we think of that, like how destructive that is of community. Like if, if you can't have trust, um, if you can't trust what anyone says, like how can you have any kind of fellowship or community? And the deceitfulness goes like in, in both directions. And we see Jeremiah, he does this all the time. He'll talk about, you know, the vertical relationship of, of humanity with God, but then the uh, horizontal relationship of humanity with one another. And the deceit goes both ways. They're lying to God. <laughs> They're deceitful um, in their relationship with God. They're speaking, and, and we've seen uh, Jeremiah talk about this earlier in the book, how, um, so back in, um, uh, let's see, chapter, chapter three, um, he says, uh, behold, you have spoken, um, uh, but you have done all the evil you could. So they're saying one thing, in their worship of God, and then going out and completely, you know, doing whatever evil they conceive in, in their heart. Um, so this deceit to God um, is manifested in the way they lie and slander and, and speak ill of and, like, you know, say kindness <laughs> to their neighbor while at the same time they're laying a trap, a snare for them. <laughs> so it's like, you know, all of their speech uh, has been corrupted in this way. Good. What else do we see him describing? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and, and the response is, I better trick and deceive them first <laughs> to get what I want so that, you know, it's not taking me. And, and the way it, like, multiplies. Like, so it's like, you know, like, they know deceit is being plotted against them, and the response is to plot deceit back. Uh, and we, you see that kind of multiplication in verse 6, heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit. Like, it's just like, they're piling these things up. And, yeah, and it's often the people who are most oppressed are the ones who, again, we've seen um, in prior chapters, Jeremiah's concern 
for the, the widow and the fatherless, these people who don't have a protector. They're the, easy, they're the low hanging fruit <laughs> of oppression. Um, but it, it's like complete um, lack of trustworthiness. And like, and again, how can, you, how can you have a society like that? How can you live like that? Like in this kind of constant fear and you, you can't trust anything coming out of the, the mouth of your neighbor and you can't trust what's coming out of the mouths of the priests and the prophets and the rulers like it's um it's corruption throughout society yeah john Like, and he, like, like, some people, like, you know, is it, is it God speaking in the first part of the chapter, or is it Jeremiah? And the two are so, like, Jeremiah um, is so closely connected to the word of God. Like, like you know, he, he's enabled to, to feel what God's feeling, or God doesn't feel, but uh, you know what I mean. Um, to, to see things from God's perspective. Like, and, you know, and God loves his people. Um, and uh, we were studying in our study of Deuteronomy this past week, it uses the word jealous. Like, God is jealous of his people. And the idea is um, he is zealous for his people um, out of his holiness. And so their sinfulness um, it is an affront to them. Like he's, he's so desirous of his people that their sin um, is, is so grievous unto, unto him. Um, and, and notice like it's connected to, um, you know, we, we've been talking about how they're deceiving one another, but notice where it comes from. They proceed from evil to evil. They do not know me, declares the Lord keeping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit. They refuse to know me, <laughs> declares the Lord. So, and that, that know there, again, that's the, um, that's like intimate knowledge. So it's not knowledge about, it's they don't know God. They're not in relationship with God. It's that relational know that's often used of husband and wife. You know, Adam knew Eve. She bore my child. Like it's that deep, loving relationship. And that's what they lack. That's what they don't have. And because they don't have that, oppression multiplies oppression, deceit multiplies deceit. Um, and Jeremiah, even though he loves this people, um, he hates, we'll see later in the book, he hates bringing this message to them. 
Um, and like, I love the like, kind of petulant child aspect. He's like, I'm not gonna speak anymore. That's it, I'm done. And then it's, it's described as the word of God is like a fire burning within him. <laughs> okay, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I gotta speak. <laughs> I can't let this evil you know, go without speaking God's word to it, speaking God's truth to it, without correcting it. Um, it has, just as it's evil um, and um, uh, it, it's evil in God's eyes, so too it's, e it's become evil in Jeremiah's eyes. And to this t extent, he can't not correct it. Yeah, that it's this active promotion. Like it's it's like uh, it's like a con man practicing the con, <laughs> um, or you know teaching someone else. Well, this is how you defraud someone. Like, and that's the instruction there and being given. And uh, again, it's um, I, in my Bible study on Friday night. I kept wanting to talk about Jeremiah, and in Sunday school class on Jeremiah, I keep wanting to talk about Deuteronomy. Um, and, and Deuteronomy, like, they're called to, to teach their children these laws, you know, you, you know, bind them on your foreheads, like that, like, put it always, like, and it's active, like, they're supposed to be actively producing and teaching God's righteous law, and instead they're actively producing and, and, and teaching um, deceit, um, so yeah, so what a contrast um, between what God has called them to do and called them to be, to be a people of his law who are taking those commands and teaching them to their children, and instead they're teaching their, their own tongues deceitfulness, and they're teaching their children how to worship Baals and, and all these things that aren't God. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's active pursuit of evil when God has called them to the active pursuit of his law. <laughs> He's in my Bible study, so you know. <laughs> They're refusing to stay in the family. And it's that idea, like, it's not only that they don't know God, they're refusing to know God. And again, we've seen this in Jeremiah before. Like, yeah, they hear, and they're actively like, yeah, we hear what, what you're saying, that, that that's what God wants. 
we're gonna do something else. Um, and it's this, uh, again, this active turning away from that which is good toward what, what is evil. And um, uh, the same thing that, or the thing that happens to him here, um, you know, Jeremiah says, um, hold on, let's see if I can, uh, like down in verse 16, we're getting a little ahead, but um, while we're on Deuteronomy, I will scatter them among the nations. Like, that is straight out of the, the curses, covenant curses in the book of Deuteronomy about what's going to happen when they make idols, when they follow other gods. The punishment will be they are removed from the land and scattered among the nations. That's the same word. Um, this kind of, you know, you're, you're going to be removed and you're going to be scattered because of your sin. Dave. Yeah, and again, like, because, you know, the message they're getting other places is peace, peace. Like, that's the message the other prophets are, are giving them. And, and we'll see Jeremiah kind of, like, um, expressing some frustration. Um, hold on, let's see if I can find it. Um, you know, he, he's going to express frustration. He's like, all these prophets, other prophets are saying they're, their peace. Um, then I said, so this is chapter 14, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them to command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, a worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. So, and again, it's the, so in our chapter, like, it's the way deceit is multiplying deceit. Like, their own prophets and priests and religious leaders are, are speaking lies to them. Um, and so Jeremiah, I, I mean, we'll see later in the book, like, how alone he feels. Because he's the only one giving this message, and as you say, <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, but you know, everybody else is listening to all these lying prophets, and that is the dominant message of their culture. And so, you know, Jeremiah, you know, has that feeling of being alone. Like I, I'm, I'm the only person here. Who's, who sees this coming destruction, and everybody else is doing the, no, I'm not listening to Jeremiah. Nope, not going to look. <laughs> not going to see it. Like, they're, they're, you know, intentionally blinding themselves, intentionally deafening themselves to the word of God um, and to the picture that Jeremiah has painted for them.
yeah, no, I mean, I, I, again, it's one of the reasons I wanted to study this book, <laughs> because it, it's, it's so contemporary. Kathy. And, and it's a, like, that's the choice that's kind of being presented. Are we going to know God and, and know his word and, and put the relationship with God first and foremost in our lives? Or are we going to, you know, pursue the path that, you know, is, is comfortable <laughs> um, or easy because it, it doesn't make us stand out and you know we get what we want <laughs> in that moment yeah like we can you know and again it's the difference between knowing about it and or knowing what God says or knowing about the word of God and knowing it to the sense you know knowing God like knowing you know, having a, a circumcised heart as he, he ends this chapter. Um, I know I use this line from Edwards all the time, but, you know, Edwards has this idea. You can know all about honey. Like, you can know, like, its physical properties. You can put it under a magnifying glass. Um, you can, you know, know its viscosity, whatever. You know, know where it comes from, know how it's produced. Know what happens to it if you leave it on the shelf too long, um, but you don't know honey, and if you've never experienced it, <laughs> tasted it, and it's that idea. You can know God's word and all about God, but if you don't know God, then you, you've missed the point. Like it's all the people, like you know, people who write and study the Bible, write about and study the Bible, and yet reject God. Like same, like they probably know more about the Bible than I do, but do they know the Bible? Because they don't know the God of the Bible. Yes, yeah, Cynthia. And it's the idea, and we've seen this um, earlier, like, like he keeps calling them to this, what Deuteronomy sa says is desired, like an inner circumcision, a circumcision of the heart. Um, and they have, as Jeremiah's described, they have uncircumcised ears. <laughs> um, they, they haven't had the ears that are open to the word of God. They have uncircumcised hearts. Um, and they're, they're trusting again and again, like this is the, a repeated theme um, in Jeremiah, the outward things of religion while neglecting the, the inner things, like again, the relations.
Yeah, and Josiah, like, you know, we, we again, we're in a section of, of Jeremiah where he doesn't give us a lot of names. So we don't know, like, at what point in Jeremiah's career these specific prophecies are coming. But earlier he, he mentioned Josiah, and so Josiah is a good king, is a man after God's own heart, um, who, you know, discovers the, the law in the temple and seeks to enact its, you know, like tears his garments when, <laughs> when he reads the book of the law that's been discovered because he realizes <laughs> we're not doing any of this. <laughs> um, this is not us. This is who we're called to be. This is not us. So it starts enacting these reforms. Um, and the sad thing from, from Jeremiah's prophecy, those reforms have kind of surface level, you know, skin deep. The people haven't taken them to heart. Um, so I want to jump ahead because I, I want to spend some time um, and we can come back to some of the stuff in the middle. I have questions on it. Um, but I, I want to make sure we have time to, to look at verses um, uh, the end. So verses 23 through 26. So the chapter ends with, with verses describing boasting and circumcision. And so as we think, like, what is it that God wants? Like, he gives us a brutal picture of what the people are like, and he gives us a brutal picture of this complete um, destruction that's coming. And notice that, that Jeremiah's lamenting for the hills and the mountains. <laughs> I will take up weeping and wailing for the mountains, a lamentation for the pastures of the wilderness. Because it, it, the the coming destruction isn't going to just be on the people, but it's going to be um, ecological as well. The land itself is going to be scarred um, by God's judgment upon it. But then he comes at the end um, with the, the, this discussion of boasting and then circumcision. So what do these verses in verses 23 through the end of the chapter, what do they tell us about the character of God? and what that God desires in us. Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, because, you know, and he uses the, the word um, earlier in the chapter. Um, Back in verse 9, shall I not punish them for these things, declare the Lord, and shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? And the, the word he uses there is the word that is usually used for non-Israelites, like the goyim. Like that's the, you know, he, he calls them the goy there. Like, you know, and, and the effect is they have rendered, even though they're circumcised, they are like the uncircumcised nations around them. Like that distinction that's supposed to set them apart isn't really going to set them apart because they lack what's really desired, which is a circumcised heart.
Yeah, he wants them to know, like, their hope isn't in themselves. Like, the, the way out of this, this destruction isn't in, as he says, you know, they can't think their way out from it. Like, the pathway out isn't wisdom. Um, it's, it's not through strength. Um, like, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Um, it's not in riches. They can't buy their way out. Um, like, and again, like, these are the things we, like, if only we can get enough votes, we can make the world the way we want it. Or if just we had enough money, we could shape the world we want it. Um, you know, or if we just, you know, think enough and educate people, like, we'll fix, no. <laughs> um, those aren't, aren't the correctives. The corrective is understanding and knowing God. And as Kathy says, he, you know, he gives us these three incredible words um, that show up over and over again in the Old Testament and then are picked up by the, the New Testament. Um, a, a God who has um, steadfast love. Like this, this um, and in English, like, the, we, don't, we don't have a, a near um, companion <laughs> to the Hebrew word here. So sometimes you get it steadfast love, uh, sometimes it's rendered loving kindness, um, but it, it is essentially getting to this, hold on, let me get my, my note here. Um, it, it notes um, the, this quality of God that denotes a, a deep commitment of God to his people that reaches out beyond the mere demands of reciprocal obligation, such as those specified by law or custom. Like, he's going to love them to this other degree. And um, we're in our study of Deuteronomy, sorry. <laughs> um, it, it talks about, like, God tells them what's going to happen. Like, you're going to follow after other gods. You're going to get scattered among the nations. And, and that is, like, typical of covenant agreements. Like, you know, you make a, um, a, a covenant, a treaty with this other sovereign king, and if you disobey, like, in those treaty documents, the same language is used. I'm going to scatter your people among the nations. Um, but in those documents, that's it. Like, you violated the covenant, you're done. And what's amazing about Deuteronomy and what's amazing about here is that even in the act of punishing them, God is not done with his people. His loving kindness is, is, is going to extend a grace to them that they do not deserve because they failed the covenant, but God is so faithful to his covenant that he's keeping his part and our part. Like, and it's that image um, we get of the covenant inauguration in, in Genesis where normally the two parties walk um, beneath or between these torn up animals. Um, but when God makes his covenant with Abraham, it's these symbols that Abraham doesn't walk. It, God takes on the man's part of the covenant. And it's you know, what we see the New Testament saying about Christ. He takes on our covenant obligations. He takes on our covenant penalty. And he clothes us with the righteousness that God wants to see in us. 
I saw my wife's hand, let the record show. I didn't ignore her this week. Yeah, this is what delights him. Um, and, and, and again, like, you can see why the sign I saw earlier this week has been bugging the snot out of me. <laughs> like, this is what God delights God. God is del delighted by loving kindness. God is delighted by justice. God is delighted by righteousness. And that word used for righteousness is that same word that's often tied to salvation. Like, it's those are the things that, that delight God. Um, it's not our sin. <laughs> it's not our sinful selves, but it's in the righteousness that is imputed to us. Like that is the righteousness that produces delight in God, that perfect righteousness, a righteousness that we in our own strength and our own wisdom can never achieve. Um, and that's the cause of boasting. Um, again, I keep going back to my favorite, some of my favorite passages, but um, it's Paul in Philippians 3, same thing. Um, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And that word glory there, um, you know, the word boast, it, like so, in some of your translations, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. So what should we glory in? Um, and Paul's saying, we should glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Um, whatever gain I have, I had, I counted as loss. And that, he really, trash, rubbish. <laughs> um, I, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be, be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You know, and notice all the same language there <laughs> that, that Jeremiah is employing here. The, it, it's the knowledge of God. Um, it's the righteousness that comes from God. These are the things that are worth um, glorying in, boasting in, not in ourselves, not in the things of this world, but only in the God who possesses these things. You know, a loving kindness that, that goes beyond all human comprehension, perfect justice, um, perfect rightness in all his actions all the time. Um, and those are the things he possesses and are the things that he delights um, to see in us. Other thoughts on uh, how he's ending this chapter? How much time we have? Um, yeah, Nick. Yeah, so, so I think, so first, like to start with Jeremiah and then we'll kind of move to, to our current situation. Like in, in this chapter, you see this 
interesting transition from early on, it's all my people. Like, my people. Like, you know, to, as you say, who's he weeping for? Um, he's, he's weeping for the slaying of the daughter of my people. Um, you know, later on, uh, he says, um, oh, let's see, there's another one. Um, oh, verse 7, behold, I will refine them and test them, for what else can I do because of my people? You know, it's, it's, it's this, again, these are his people that he has um, relation with, but those people um, have rendered themselves like the, the uncircumcised nations of the world. Um, and so God is going to do, and they don't have, and why are they like that? Because though they might have outward circumcision, they, they lack circumcised hearts. Um, and where Jeremiah is going and where the New Testament <laughs> picks up on is, you know, it's, and it's, it's the same part of the old, like God is calling a people to himself. Like he, he's trying to take a people who aren't his people and making them his people. And, and that's what we see um, uh, later in the book where, where Jeremiah will talk about this new covenant where he does write the law on people's hearts. Um, and and it's, it's not just Israel, but it's all the nations of the earth are included in this covenant.